of the Watchman Prophetic Conference holding at this significant time junction of Rosh Hashanah. In, in the last session, we were talking about the um, biblical and Hebrew understanding of the head of the year versus the contemporary Western understanding of just the start or the commencement of the year. And um, we're referring to the time gate, um, the Kairos moment that is open at this time where the new year, the Hebrew new year starts. And um, I, I wanted to add to that um, understanding, I wanted to bring um, further understanding along those lines to say and to add to that to say that this is a time where many people have experienced visitations from the Lord, from the presence of the Lord. This is a time of encounter. And I want to say to you that the encounters for this particular period have already begun. I want to say to you that the visitations of the Lord, the, the coming of the presence of the Shekinah glory is already going on. Many great servants and prophets of the Lord through the years have referred to the season of the fall, that's the autumn, autumn part of the year, this September into October, and referred to the fall feast of the Lord, the biblical feast in the fall. You know that the, the, the feast in springtime and then the feast at the fall time and talked about these times being a time of visitation, a time of divine um, presence, a time of appointments, appointments in the spirit, a time of open heavens and encounters with God, encounters of the God kind. I want to let you know that in this period, this week already, even though the actual official dates of Rosh Hashanah is um, 15th to 17th, that's tomorrow, Friday till Sunday, you know, thereabouts. But actually, God doesn't need to wait for the specific dates. The whole period is a season. And the season is already on. It's already begun. And the, um, the comings of the Lord have already commenced. You know, like we've shared previously, our God is a coming God. The Bible refers to him as, in the book of Revelations, as he who was, he who is, and he who is to come. Revelations chapter 1, the Almighty. So our God is a coming God. And being a coming God, he fixes appointments. He has appointed times, appointed seasons, and even appointed places. I want you to know that you are in an appointed time. This is an appointed time. And 
an appointed time or an appointment is what the feasts of God are. The, 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 the Hebrew word for feast, muad or muadim, means appointments or appointed times or appointed places. Basically, appointments. And the nature of appointments is that they have times and places. So the specific time is the kairos time. The places are the portals. They are the locations. They are the, they are the altars. They are the gates. So there's an appointed time right now, and the appointments are already going on. I want to tell you, the presence of the Lord is already visiting. The angel of the Lord is already coming amongst us. The angel, what the Bible calls the angel of his covenant, will suddenly appear. That's what the Bible says in Malachi, chapter 2, chapter 3. The angel of the Lord, the angel of the covenant will suddenly appear in his temple, in his tabernacle, in his house. There are sudden appearances of the Lord going on right now. The angel of the Lord is suddenly appearing, coming to people, coming through doors, coming through gates, coming to bedrooms, coming during meetings, coming as you are listening to messages. As you are hearing me right now, this is an appointed time. The angel of the Lord, the presence of the Lord is coming and is actually seeking audience with people, with you, with certain people. And sometimes when the presence of the Lord is there visiting, it, it isn't always observed, it's not always obvious. And people are not always aware that a visitation of the Lord is going on. You know what? One of the things the Spirit of the Lord is saying in this time is that people are more event conscious than they are his visitation conscious. They are more event aware, event conscious, than they are his presence visitation aware or conscious. Right now, God is separating between his own events, his own appointments, versus human events, human programs, and human setups and arrangements. I believe the Lord wants to visit and tries to visit in every or most of the events that we organize in his name. He does honor it. He does come. But you see, we can get more conscious of events than the actual kairos that is going on. So that we are more enamored with the, you know, um, orchestra, the occasion, the orchestrations, the set up the stage than the actual raw glory and raw presence and the raw appearance of the Lord and the angel, the raw appearance of the angel of the Lord that is actually going on. In this season, you will not and may you not miss your prophetic divine appointment, your prophetic moment you will not miss in Jesus' name. May you not miss or be unaware of the visitation, the appearance, the coming of the glory of the Lord to you at this time of divine appointment. I notice the Lord has been coming in in the middle of people's busy schedules, been coming in in the middle of people's planned events, been coming around in the middle of programs and whispering 
and speaking and declaring covenants and making statements and showing his presence. And many times we are more aware of the occasions going on than the one who makes the occasion real, makes it significant, makes it an eternal moment, a prophetic moment that has significance throughout time and eternity. Because you see, when the visitation of the Lord comes to you, you are not left the same. When the presence of the Lord visits, you are not left the same. When the, when the coming of the Lord comes, is not just to mark an occasion, it is actually to bring a, a transformation, to bring a mark upon you. Not to mark the occasion, but to mark you. To bring a mark on you that will change you forever. One moment with the glory of God can transform you, your life forever. I want us right now to take a moment to pray as we are in this conference to say, Lord, I look for, I look forward to, I look for, I recognize your visitation, your divine moment, your prophetic moment of visiting me in this season. I will not miss my prophetic moment, my appointment at this time. I will be focused. I will not be carried away by the events. I will become sensitive and become aware to receive your visitation. Like Jacob, who woke up from the dream and said, The Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. A whole glory encounter was in that environment. And he was carried away with the orchestration of stones. Not knowing that a gate of heaven, a portal, a whole highway into heaven was open over him at that moment. And he almost slept off and missed it. But thank God for his presence alerting him and saying, I am here. I am establishing my covenant with you. That land you are lying on, I am giving it to you for your inheritance. And he woke up from the dream and said, so the Lord is in this place. Wow, I almost missed it. The Lord is in this place and I knew it not. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Can you pray and say, Lord, let me know it. I come into awareness. Let me become aware of your ongoing visitation right now that I am not aware of. Let me become aware of this Kairos moment, this Kairos season that I, I am not aware of. The significance of the moment of your glory, your presence, your power, your coming, your suddenlies. Suddenlies, because you are suddenly appearing, there will be suddenlies manifesting in my life that will never leave me the same. There will be markings in my life that will shift, change. It will transform me forever. Let me be aware. Go ahead, pray that prayer right now. Korobosha, Father, we pray for your apparition, for your coming, your manifestation, that we will not miss this divine moment of your visitation, that we will not miss the hour of your presence. Korobosha, go ahead, pray.
Lord, I discern, I come into discernment, I come into awareness, I come into yieldedness of these divine moments. I come into alertness of your divine presence. I don't just make it a goosebump, a feeling, a sensation. I come to terms, come into perception of your moment in my life, of this divine moment where you are visiting me and making a shift and a change forever, a transformation. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Blessed be your name. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, Hashem Yeshua Mashiach Adonai. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Let's take a look together at that scripture in the book of Genesis chapter 28 about this moment of open heavens. This period, like we said earlier, is a period known for an open heaven, known for open heavens, known for visitations. And there are visitations. I want you to be aware. I want you to know the Spirit of the Lord saying the visitations are already going on. And you don't have to miss the, the mark of his visitation because you are so busy marking the events that are going on all around. This is a time to be aware. This is a time to separate what is human with versus what is divine. I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to say, make the point and the impression, the emphasis that the Lord has already begun visiting. You know, um, the encounters are already going on. And I realize from scripture and from experience that people can misappropriate the visitations of the Lord. They can misunderstand it. Even when they witness it, when they are there, they can misapply it or miss its significance, misrecognize the significance of the moment. And you can be in a significant moment and not even know it. And so we're going to take a look at these scriptures of the visitation of the Lord and begin to draw understanding and patterns from these scriptures and from other scriptures, from this scripture about what the Lord is doing, what the Lord is saying now, and how we should receive his visitation. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 28 from verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. You know, you can come to the place of the visitation of the Lord 
and begin to instead arrange for your own comfort. Instead of arranging, arranging and preparing to host the glory of God <clears throat> and the presence of God visiting you. Many times we want to arrange to make things look orderly and nice when we should be setting ourselves in place to make the presence of God comfortable, to receive the presence, the glory of the Lord and let him have his way. You see, there is a call going on right now to the body of Christ to learn, to come to the place of receiving and stewarding and hosting his glory. Receiving, stewarding, and hosting his visitation, his presence. Many times, our arrangements are not compatible with the visitation of the Lord. Because our arrangements are towards making things suitable for us rather than making things suitable for the visitation, for the glory of the Lord to rest. Many times our tabernacles, our temples, our venues are about making us comfortable and making us feel at home rather than making God feel at home, making God wanting to stay there and to rest there. So when God comes, he becomes a visitor. But you see, the house of God is supposed to be his house. It's, he's not supposed to be in quote visiting. Even though there are periods of the visitation of the Lord, we'll know. We know. We all know that. But you see, the house of God is not for him to visit. It's for him to inhabit. So is your setup a house for your own comfort so that the Lord visits and goes away? Or is your setup, your house, your church, your platform, your ministry, is it a place for the Lord to inhabit? Instead of a visitation, you have, you have something that lingers, something that goes on where the glory of God stays and stays and stays and lingers so that people who pass by, people who come through, people who, who happen to look into the place know that beyond the crowd, beyond the building, beyond the orchestra, beyond the platform, there is a presence. Because God is calling for a, a time right now in this Cairo season it's a time to go from visitation to habitation. Where the glory of God doesn't just come and go because the worship is over, because the music is done, or because, you know, uh, the session is over. So now God has outstayed his welcome. He is not allowed to abide in the full weight of his glory. So he visits and he goes as a visitor and go somewhere else because somewhere because he doesn't live here he only comes here once in a while but rather if it's his house it shouldn't just be a visitation it should start with a visitation go from a visitation to becoming a habitation god spoke in the scriptures he says this is my resting place I have longed for it. I have chosen it. I have desired it. 
That's what it says in Psalms 87, which we are going to try and read in a while. Look at, look at, look at, look at Jacob's experience here. Meanwhile, he set the stones for pillow to make himself comfortable. That's what we do many times. We arrange the building to make the audience comfortable, to make ourselves comfortable. But do we set the house to receive and make God's presence linger? Is that how we prepare our disposition? Because you see, there is a shift going on in this time, this Kairos moment that we are in. God is moving his house from visitation to habitation. Because visitation can have some temporary impact on the vicinity, on the area. But when God wants to change a land, change a territory, change a region, when he wants to change a nation, he needs not just a once-in-a-while visitation, he needs a house of habitation. And right now, you see God is calling his people, he's calling a people, he's raising a people who will build centers of habitation where God's glory will linger. This will be the real glory centers. The real glory moves of God. The real glory carriers of the Lord. The real, the real glory move of God will bring habitations. Not just visitations. Visitations are wonderful. They are good. They are wonderful. They are blessed. We are longing for visitation, but God is longing for more. Glory zones in the earth is what God wants. And glory zones in the earth that God is seeking to create will not suffice by visitations alone. They will require habitations. Because glory zones will have where the glory of God lingers. Where the glory of God stays. Where the glory of God hovers. Goes on for a long time. Why? Because the way this earth was created in the book of Genesis was by a lingering presence. The glory of God, the spirit of God hovered over the waters. And then God began to speak. And creation and recreation, a new earth began to come out of the flood. I want you to know that there's a hovering going on. A hovering is going on seeking to linger so that God can recreate lives. He can recreate right now. There's going to be a recreation of your destiny. A recreation of your ministry. A recreation of your life. A recreation of your existence. A recreation of your finances. A recreation of your, of your lineage. A recreation of your town. A recreation of your city. Because the way this earth was shaped and reshaped in Genesis was by a hovering glory presence. And God said in his word, in the book of Exodus, and in other places, and says, Surely as I live, the knowledge of my glory shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. You see, the glory of God, the glory move that God intends is not just for a visitation. The knowledge of the glory of God covering the earth as the waters cover the sea is a flood. That's, that's a flooding of glory. That's not a, a, a momentary visit. That's not a visit of once in a while. That is more like an abiding. That's more like a habitation. That is more like a sustained, lingering, hovering, 
staying, persistent staying of the presence and the glory of the Lord. That is God's plan for his glory move. That's God's plan for the earth. God's plan for the earth through the glory move. And so therefore you can see that God's plan for his glory movement, his glory wave upon the church and upon the world is not a momentary visitation. His design is more of a habitation. The knowledge of my glory will cover, overshadow, will stay, it will linger, it will hover, it will sustain. Do you see? So that's the plan for the glory realm of God. And if you are a glory realmer, you are a glory steward, you are a glory carrier, you are a prophetic glory steward, you are a rain lateral carrier, then the design of God is for you to build a house, not just of visitation, but a house of awesome habitation. If you are still following me, say amen. You notice that houses are built by stones and rocks. Do you realize that? And here, Jacob comes to the place where there are stones for building. Stones for building the structure of the spirit. And instead of building something that will create a habitation, he, for God, he built something that will create a comfort zone, a comfortable habitation for himself. He built pillows for comfort from these stones. But you see, by the time the visitation was done, you will see that you see that he rearranges the stones to construct something else. You see, that's why you see there's a spirit of reformation coming upon the glory realmers, the prophetic people, the apostolic people, the kingdom people, the church at large. And it's not just a reformation doctrine. It's a reformation spirit that will cause us to rearrange things from what makes sense, humanly speaking, academically, sensory speaking, to what makes for divine revelation divine habitation there's going to be a transition going on in the body of Christ of a new generation of builders a new generation of leaders who will build not for pillow sake but will build for pillar sake they won't erect pillows to make the house comfortable for themselves they will erect pillars to mark the territory for God to dwell comfortably and abide in that territory, in abide, abide in that land, be, a comf be comfortable for God to have a habitation. You see, that's what happened at the end of the day. But after the encounter, after the visitation, there was a shift and a transformation in leadership and in building patterns. And that's what is going on right now among the people of the Lord, among the body of Christ. A shift and a transformation in building pattern has been summoned and been called upon. Where the people of God will take from building pillows to building pillars. So that the place is not just comfortable for themselves, but comfortable for the glory of God to abide in. That is the hour we are in. And so there will be meetings and events where human is com human expression is comfortable. 
But there will also be building and meetings and buildings and occasions where the glory of God is comfortable in expression. Wow. Do you remember that glory visitation that happened in the United States? Where the great man of God, the revivalist Tommy Tenney, was ministering in a place. And they had the service order. And they had the arrangements. And they had, you know, the church. But they were praying for revival. And praying for revival. And praying for revival. And one morning they got to the meeting, the venue of the church. And uh, uh, um, the, 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 the man of God, the revivalist Tommy Tenney, was called upon to go to the stage and preach. And he saw the glory of God there. And he didn't. I think he finished ministering or finished sharing or something and then stepped off the stage before his time was due or something and refused to go back even when the host pastor was telling him, why don't you come back and do a prayer, say something. And he didn't. He refused because he could see that the glory of God had taken the stage. And then when the pastor saw that the meeting lingered and the power of God was just there, the glory of God was just there. People were experiencing angelic visitations, experiencing the power of God, experiencing the glory of God. And, you know, but nobody was orchestrating. He didn't look too arranged, too nice. He just felt we should go on with more officiating. So the pastor went on to the pulpit. He went to the podium, to the pulpit, to try and make an announcement, maybe just say prayer and try and, like, close the meeting. And immediately he got to the pulpit and opened his mouth. Lightning struck the glass, solid glass pulpit, and split it in two. The lightning struck that place. Everybody saw the lightning and heard the thunder, and it struck the pulpit and split it into two and flung it into different... I mean, this is a solid glass that was made of very solid um, quality of transparent material and glass that you cannot naturally even split in two. If you break it, you struggle to split it halfway. But that lightning struck it and it split in two and was flung into different dimensions, directions. And the pastor, the leader, the pastor who went upstage was flung from the pulpit and thrown away and was unconscious for one and a half hours. When he came to, he said all he was seeing was glory and angels moving round and round. And from that day onward, a revival broke out that was not orchestrated by man. But orchestrated by God because people driving by on the highways will turn into the churchyard and drive, enter straight into the meeting and go straight to the front of the, of, 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 of the, of the hall and give their lives to Christ. Go straight to the front and fall under the power. Go straight to the front and get slain in the spirit. Get filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. Have encounters. All manner. People will go and get healed. Come out of wheelchairs without anybody officiating. Why? Because God had turned the pulpit. To let you know that pulpit is not the main symbol of leadership and governance in the house of the Lord. Contrary to how we have built and led and taught in the past. Pulpit is good. It's great. I believe it's for pulling men out of the pit. Right? He has pulled us out of the miry pit. I get that. But when the glory of God surfaced, there was no pulpit to, 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 to host or to hinder. But God split it in two. The same way he split the altar 
of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, where he put two idols, one in Dan, one in Bethel. Do you know what those two words mean, Dan, Bethel? Where they split, when God has split the kingdom from Solomon and David's house, from Solomon and Rehoboam, and given ten tribes to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the former servant of Solomon. That's in, that's in First Kings, the book of First Kings, right? Before you get into Second Kings. So, so Jeroboam was now afraid that the people going to Jerusalem for this feast and appointed times, experiencing the presence, they will soon return back to the lineage and the house of David and Solomon in Rehoboam, and then he will have to be eliminated in something of a sort of Game of Thrones. So he carved two idols, one in Dan and one in Bethel. And said, he didn't say this is Baal, mind you. He said, this is the Lord your God that brought you. This is Yahweh. This is Adonai Elohim that brought you out. Yahweh Elohim that brought you out of the land of Egypt. He used forms and shapes to represent God, but which were idolatrous. And he hired priests that were not Levites, that were not ordained at the point of God to minister at those altars. That's when the young prophet came out of Judah to prophesy to him that though that altar will split and ashes will pour out and a, a young man, a son will be born to the house of David that will burn these priests, fake priests, false priest bones upon this altar. That sign, you know, the king stretched out his hand to slap him, to smite him, and his hand froze in the air. And then he prayed, he asked the prophet to pray, the young prophet to pray, and he was healed. And that sign occurred, the Bible says that sign occurred that day, the altar split into two. To say that the system of hosting the glory of God was false. So I'm not saying pulpit around, we have pulpit where we are, so... I'm not against pulpit, but I am telling you that pulpit is not the ultimate symbol of leadership and government when the glory is present. And that's what the statement of the glory of God was making that day in Tommy Tennis revival by splitting the altar, the, the pulpit, right? He, splitting it in two. I mean, this material was investigated. They checked it out. They went to investigate it. Journalists from magazines and Christian, you know, uh, um, people went there to see what was happening, see the pulpit that lightning and thunder of glory had split in two. And they checked the material. They checked the two half of the split, and they said, this, this, is, this doesn't make sense. Nothing splits this material in two halves. Not two equal halves, but two halves nonetheless. Nothing speaks it. How did it speak like this? It was the thunder of God. It was the glory of God saying, the era of your pulpiteering in the face of my glory is finished. Saying, the model, the pattern of your pulpiteering to steward the magnitude of glory is insufficient. It can't hold it. Pulpit is not wrong. Please understand me, everybody. We have pulpit where we are, so I go, I go pulpit in places. Pulpit is not wrong, but listen to this. There was no pulpit in the tabernacle. In any of the temples God built, 
No pulpit in Moses' tabernacle where the glory came down. No pulpit in Solomon's tabernacle where the glory came down. No pulpit in David's tabernacle, the tabernacle of David that had no veils. That people beheld the ark of glory with unveiled face because of David's oppression. Right? And that's where the Psalmist, Asaph, Heman, the Jedutuns were operating and downloading sound out of heaven in free flow. Do you know there was no pulpit in any of the tabernacles? There was no pulpit in New Testament. But there was the glory and the fire of God on the day of Pentecost resting upon their head. So what are we saying? We are not against people who use pulpit. But sometimes when the glory of God comes... Our arrangement doesn't match it. Our setting up of structure, our ordering doesn't match it. That's what God was using, that sign. And it was a, it, it's a generational sign. It's clearly a generational sign. And like the altar of Jeroboam, the son of Nebuchadnezzar, that the young prophet prophesied, he prophesied a generation coming that will manifest the meaning of the splitting of the altar, of the false altar, with the false idols represented there. And so what happened in Tommy Tennis revival meeting in USA in that church was a prophetic sign saying a generation of spirit-led presence-based leadership was going to come that we lead another kind of revival that will be presence-based. Not just pulpit-oriented. Why? Why is that? Because the original, authentic, scriptural plan of God for this world and for revival in this world is that the knowledge of glory will cover the world as the waters cover the sea. So there has to be to fulfill that original prophecy about what God planned for his revelation, for his revival, for his visitation and his habitation. Even in the end of days, his original plan of revealing his glory has to come to pass. Therefore, there has to be a generation that will understand the orchestration of his glory and be trained in that order of spirit-led, presence-based leadership and revival carrying so that the original plan of God, the vow of God, as I live, said the Lord, that vow that the knowledge of his glory will cover the earth, that original plan, that original covenant, that original vow will be fulfilled. For that to be fulfilled, there has to be that generation who will learn the manner of the glory of God and in stewarding and hosting it versus stewarding and hosting our events. And that's the parable and the mystery of the stones of Jacob at Bethel. That is the mystery of it. If you are still here, say amen. Are you understanding what we are saying? If you say there's an end-time revival, end-time revival is going to be greater. If you say there's going to be a global glory release, if you believe and you've been prophesying and you've been saying these things, if you believe that the knowledge of the glory of God is going to cover the earth, if you believe there's a glory wave that God has sent in this world, then you have to be thinking along the lines of building differently, hosting differently, reshaping the manner of structure and orchestration for 
the habitation of glory, not just the habitation of people. For a while, ministry has been about hosting people, but the glory generation is going to stand up and be about hosting the presence. If you are still here, say amen. And we've had types and shadows, forerunners of this wave in our history. We've had it in the past, in recent history, in ancient history, in, in um, 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 modern historical times. We've had examples. One is the Tomiteni. You can find this story online. You can find this story in his book, um, Hunger. The, the, the hunger, hunger for God. What's the title of that book again? God chasers. Exactly. God chasers who hunger for God. Wow. You know, God emphasized that hunger for years and years, and it's like people didn't get it. So he sent that man, that revivalist, to release that book, God chasers. People chased ministry, but God was looking for a generation who were chasing. And a generation of God chasers, what would they discover? The end of it will be they will discover the glory of God. And by the time they discover the glory of God, they will know that that glory has to be stewarded and hosted in his own unique way. Because their hunger taught them that if the glory had been stewarded all along, they would have had a long journey seeking the glory and not finding. Why? Because the glory would have been readily available in every setup, every platform, every program, every meeting. But their hunger came about because they were looking for something beyond the events. They were looking for something beyond the momentary visitations. They wanted to see the glory of God, and that led to a chasing of God. I remember my experience of chasing God years, and I discovered that it seemed like this is a phenomenon going on that few people seem to be paying attention to, and then I saw that book released. And I realized, let me tell you something I perceive. When that book was released, God chased us, right? Where I was, where, where we were in, in our country, we were like eight to ten years behind the schedule of that book. It seemed like the timing of that, of that message had already even passed before that book became popular in the environment where we were, you know, in that part of the world where I was. Hallelujah. And so we've had forerunners for glory stewardship. One of them is the Dr. Tommy Tenney, the revivalist Tommy Tenney. The other person is a prior glory pioneer named Evan Roberts. And Evan Roberts was not a pulpiteer. He was more, more of a present, presence tier. Evan Roberts didn't preach as much as he worshipped, prayed, and sang in the Welsh revival. And the whole land had a spiritual climate change. Because somebody had prayed and had bent. Remember that prayer of Evan Roberts, that popular prayer? Bend us, oh God, bend us, oh God. Bend us. What was he saying? Basically, he was saying God should reshape them from within to come into alignment with heaven. And as it is, it, it seems... When you are aligned with heaven, you will look bent to men. There's a reason why God had to bend and break and touch the hollow of Jacob's bones, of Jacob's thigh. Because to host the glory, to host the angelic host, we have to bend. In our own mentality, we bend, but in heaven, we are more straightened. And that's what the pillar represents. The pillar represented alignment with heaven. Rather than the pillow scattered for our comfort, 
it made for connection and alignment like the ladder. It was a mirroring of the ladder that Jacob saw. He raised the pillar to show that here heaven is connected with the earth. And that's what Ivan Roberts, the great wealth revivalist, embodied. So much so that the glory of God swept the land even when he wasn't preaching. That was the first, one of the first major glory moves in the 20th century where the glory of God lingered in Wales and what the moralist movements, the, the, the good behavior movements could not achieve in years, within months, the glory presence in the life of Evan Roberts had achieved. Men were repenting. Crime was dropping. Criminals were coming to get saved. Judges were preaching and singing in the courts. Schools were worshiping God. Root of God. What if we had that kind of glory visitation? What if we had it? Will we be able to still work with, with what we are doing? How we arrange with how we, we set up right now? Don't, mind, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I love the, the nice setup, the quality equipment, the good worship, you know, the good sound system, media. It's wonderful. It's all great. But let me tell you, it is going to pale in comparison with the apparition of glory. And those things meant for God to express himself or for we to get, you know, a proper comfort in the midst of the place where we set things up. Hallelujah. And so you had Evan Roberts, you had Maria Woodward Etta, who carrying the glory and the presence of God, people five miles from the tent where she is ministering will be going under the power of God. Trains passing through the region will experience the glory of God and people will get slain inside trains. Do you know that it was Evan Roberts' revival in Wales that triggered and steered the Azusa Street proponents, the Azusa Street revivalists? Both Charles Parham and W.J. Seymour, William Seymour, were exchanging letters with Evan Roberts. He explaining to them what was going on and how they could seek God and come into that glorious experience. And that's how the Pentecostal outpouring was restored to the body of Christ in the Azusa, what's called the Azusa Street Revival, which was inspired by the Topeka prayer house of Charles Parham, where William Simon himself got filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. You see, all of these were overflows from the Welsh revival stewarded by Ivan Roberts. And you know about Ivan Roberts? He can come to a meeting and not preach. He will just sit down there and leave the front empty. And the glory of God will be there. And people will be repenting. People will be worshipping. People will be singing. People will be coming under the power of God all night. People will be praying. Why? Because somebody had bent himself to host the glory. And in Evan Roberts' revival, do you know great preachers, great pulpiteers went there? They went there, but they sat at the back to observe. Thank God for their love and humility. Because they knew this was different from what they were used to. This was not on the basis of their sermons. This was more on the basis of the presence and the habitation of the glory of the Lord. Are you seeing the difference here? So we've had, we've had forerunners in this. And that Tomitani experience where the glory of God split the pulpit was like when the young prophet went to Dan and to Bethel, Be Be where Jeroboam was and prophesied. What was his prophecy? That a young man, a baby called Josiah, will be born in the house of... He prophesied about a generation. 
coming. So that experience of Tomiteni was prophesying when they split the pulpit, the same way the altar was split in First Kings in the Bible, it was to prophesy a glory generation coming that will create altars and platforms for the glory to inhabit. What does Dan symbolize? What does Bethel symbolize? This man called Jeroboam, who God gave him the, the kingdom, God called him, God anointed him to be king. God raised him up, but he raised up, he shaped, he shaped carved images to represent God. Put cows, oxen at Dan and at Bethel. What does Dan mean? Dan means judge, discernment. What does Bethel mean? Bethel is where we are reading about right now. It's the house of God. It's the presence of God. It's the glory presence. It's the portal that connects heaven with earth. Instead of building to align heaven with earth, Jeroboam was shaping to make people comfortable. So that we, in the time of appointed feasts such as we have now, they don't go back to Jerusalem. He was using politics and human relations and gimmicks and say, you stay here. That place is too far. You don't need to go to Jerusalem. Stay here in Dan. Stay here in Bethel. Don't see the discernment. Don't discern the presence of God. Don't discern the visitation of God. Discern this idol. Discern this carved image. Discern this form. You know, the Bible says religion has a form of God-likeness, of godliness, but it denies the power. It denies the presence. It denies the revelation of God. And, and this man used carved images to represent God. But we know who the image of God is. The image of God is not carved. The brightness of his glory and the express image of his person is the Son of God, is Jesus Christ. But he had an image. Maybe he put light around, maybe he put smoke machine around just to replicate. Just This is the image. So be satisfied with the form. Don't hunger for the actual discernment of the revelation of the glory. Put an image at Dan. Put an image at this same Bethel where Jacob built a portal for alignment. He refused to design the glory, the open heaven, the portal, the visitation at Bethel. Rather, he put a form. I said, this is nice. Isn't this cool? This, look at the lights. Look at everything. It's just lovely. Stay here. The seats are comfortable. The hall is nice. It's, I love AC hall. Yes, that's nice. But don't use the form. To replace the revelation, the discernment of the revelation of the glory and the presence and the person and the speaking of the Lord. The glory generation has to build differently and this is the time. That appointed time is rapidly approaching. That glory generation prophesied, let me tell you, you are approaching your moment. You are going to be called to lead and to build, to build and to lead. And you are going to lead by discerning the presence. Because you will be a Dan. You will be a Daniel. You'll be able to judge the presence. The Bible says, let two or three prophesy and let the other person judge. There has to be a Dan. A Dan to discern the prophetic speakings of the Lord so that the glory revelation can continue to flow. They have to discern the presence, the portal, the open heavens, the alignment, the raised highway, which can get called a ladder. But the Hebrew word says the raised highway connecting heaven. That constant connection to create thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That creates talent that you are bent into alignment with heaven, like Evan Roberts. That you are 
keeping in step. You are keeping the gates open. This is the house of God. This is the gates of heaven open for that constant outflow of glory. That constant movement of angels going on. That's going to be your assignment. That's going to be your type of leadership. Have you noticed Catherine Kuhlman? Catherine Kuhlman ministered the most awesome miracles, not by the laying hands and not by setting up meetings like the usual healing evangelists, which were great. But a time came, the method of the healing revivalists became, it obscured the revelation of God that people like William Branham and Ora Roberts brought. So it became, a, it became an event, became an occasion. And it just became a cliche. And Captain Kuma knew that this is an event, but it's not revealing God. And she kept seeking God. How was her own healing taking place? She was a presence-based minister. She wasn't orchestrating and arranging systems and denominations. She was orchestrating glory presence in her meetings. She operated by discernment of the Holy Ghost and by fellowship with his presence. That's Dan and Bethel restored. And the glory of God will come and heal people miraculously, spectacularly, in unbelievable ways, such that sovereign moves of God. That's the glory of God covering the land as the waters covered it. Unbelievable ways, incredible ways, before, before she called them to the front. Whereas previous people called them to the front to lay hands and see if they are healed. Right now, she's still warded with another approach that didn't just preach about God and lay hands, but revealed God in the room. And when the people got healed, they came out of wheelchairs, they came out of crutches, they came to the front experiencing God. They had a revelation of God, not just a cure. Not just a cure in their bodies, but a feeling of the glory of God. And that's how she will stand there. What was she doing? Designing and cooperating with the presence. That's what she stood in front of. And when people come to the front hill, she say, I had nothing to do with it. This wasn't me. This is not, I don't have any gift. This is, what was she doing? She was bending herself. She was humbling herself so that he can increase and she can decrease. So that more of God can be seen and less of her. We've had foreigners, brethren, people of God in this glory realm and it's coming back. God is going to raise those kind of leaders who descend Dan and who know the presence at Bethel. That's their order of training is going to be so heightened that they can judge and descend the way God wants, the way he is walking, the revelation of his glory, the speaking of his presence, the prophecy of the moment, capturing the prophetic moment that is going on in the room, in the lives, in the land, in the territory, in the nations. They will capture it and see what that let the glory be revealed that Jesus is seen. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus is seen. Such that unbelievers came and were submitting to Jesus. God was touching people sovereignly and then they realized this is the living God. This is not a denomination. This is not a ministry platform. This is not a pulpit. This is a presence of the eternal one. If you are still with me, say amen. We are into that season where God is doing that recalibration in you. Preparing for this wave. Look at what happens at Bethel. And he dreamt. After laying down, he put them, put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamt and behold, a ladder set up on the earth. 
and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land where thou liest, to thee will I give it unto thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in, in thee, and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. This is an international dimension to this blessing, to this visitation. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee. And Jacob waked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. You see, the visitation in this Kairos season is to make you know the Lord. Have encounter with him. Come to personal fellowship with him. And know when he is around and what he wants. This is how this new leadership is going to be birthed. This is how they are going to be shaped. You are already out there. You are already listening to me. You've seen ministry. You've been at work. You've organized for pillows. But God is asking you to organize for pillars of presence. Because the glory of God, the pillar, the glory of God appears as a pillar. In the book of Exodus, when Moses is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt through the wilderness. You see what I'm trying to say? It is a building for presence, not a building for comfort pillows. If you are still here, say amen. And now he was learning his, learning his lesson. When he had the visitation, he suddenly realized, wait a minute. I misjudged, misinterpreted, misrepresented this place. A lot of people are going to rediscover their callings. In this visitation period, rediscover their ministry anew. Rediscover that they've been administering in a way that God didn't ask them. They will know that they have true callings from God. There are many people who have true callings from God, but wrong administrations of his calling. Wrong expressions, wrong platforming, wrong interpretation of it. They have been making pillows instead of pillars. Because it seems comfortable for them, whereas God is seeking alignment with them for that pillar of glory, for that territory, that open heaven to be altered and be marked as a place of inheritance. So that not just the man there, but the whole land, the whole earth, the whole of that region and all the other nations will experience that blessing. Why? Because the original covenant says, as I live, said the Lord, the knowledge of my glory will what? will cover the earth. So all the nations will be blessed through this encounter. The glory will go to them. The land where I will give it to you, the land too will be impacted. There is a habitation that will impact territories and cities coming. A habitation that will impact whole regions coming. Habitations that will change whole climates coming. And God needs the Jacobs to buy the encounters going on in this season to know how God wants to visit their nation. And how God wants to visit their towns, their, their territories, their regions by an administration not of pillows, but of pillars. And so that encounter made Jacob realize and recognize, oh my God, I, I misjudged even my calling. Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, so misjudged his callings that he made it idols. He made forms that were idolatrous. Brought about priesthood leadership, priesthood that was not God's pattern. 
He raised men into ministry who were not called according to the order of God. Why? To make everybody comfortable. You remember King Saul? When Samuel delayed on the seventh day to come and make the sacrifice, and the Bible says the people were departing. What did, Sam, Sam, what did Saul say? He said, let me do the sacrifice because people are going. And when Samuel came to keep the people, when Samuel came, Samuel came and said, what have you done? He said, the people were leaving and you delayed, so I did the sacrifice. It's not your, it's, this is not how, your calling is true. To be sure, your calling is true, but the expression, is it aligned with Dan and Bethel? Is it aligned with the revelation, direction, instruction, with the prophetic moment and the presence of God? You can see the patterns throughout the scripture, everywhere. Hallelujah. But the encounters going on in this Kairos season is for realigning you. It's for bending you like, like Ivan Roberts prayed. Or should I say, straightening you and aligning you with him so that you can wake up and discern and say, wow, this is how the presence of the Lord was here. But see what I was doing. See what we're doing. No, now we are going to build according to Dan and Bethel. We're going to build according to the open heavens, according to the presence, according to the pillar of glory, according to the alignment of heaven. With the earth. That's going to be the goal of the glory realm leaders, of the glory realmers. That, the glory outpouring carriers, that's going to be their goal, their assignment, their call, their passion, their strongest desire. Hallelujah. Woo! The glory presence carriers will not want to, they will not be seeking for the platform where there's, there's, there's greatest population. They'll be seeking for the locations where there's freedom and the greatest of presence. That's going to be their definition of success in ministry. And then, instead of having, we have this number, we have that number, it will be more like the glory of God invaded. And we transform and the land began to shift. The prophetic revelation of the Lord for the moment was discerned. That will become the emphasis. That will become their parameters and their measurement of success and of impact. If you are still here, say glory to God. Glory to God. Wow. Behold, I am with thee, verse 15, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob waked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. Why I didn't discern it. I had no done to judge it, to discern it. But now I am waking up after this visitation to recognize things differently. And I knew it not. Verse 17, And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Can you imagine that? He called that place the house of God. Wow, that's the house of God? So where is the pulpit? Where is the pews? Where is the, 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 the building? Where is the building? Where is the nice platform? Where are all the congregants? Where are the walls? The nice walls, the nice windows, the nice... Where are all the parking? There's no house here. But what there is, is a presence. There is no house here. What there is, is a gate of heaven. That is a glory realm talking. That is somebody who has had an encounter with God. His parameters of defining what a house of God is changed after his encounter. 
his emphasis became more of we need to contend more for the glory to stay, the presence to linger. I'm not saying buildings are wrong. This is a building. Everybody stays in a building. You need a house. Everybody, we need facilities. But the emphasis, the priority is not the comfort of the building. That's what we pursued for a whole generation. Right now, it's going to be about where the glory of God abides and lingers. That's going to be the emphasis. Where, excuse me, where did them... Where did the Azusa Street Revival take place? A nice building, right? Where the glory of God came. And what happened? The land of Los Angeles was changed. And the whole world was changed. That's what God said here to Jacob at Bethel. And replicated it as Azusa. But what about the building? The building was a livery. It was a slaughterhouse. It was, it was, it was a place where they used to take animals. That's what they could get. But nothing stopped God from shifting and changing the whole world by his visitation in that place, his habitation that stayed there. People came around there just coming to, they saw clouds, they saw glory, they saw presence, they saw, they saw the angels of God, they saw limbs that were cut off grow back, they saw the presence of beings walking in the place. How about that? It was the glory that made it a house. It's not the house that makes for the glory. It's the glory that makes the house. And that's what Jacob discerned here. No building, but he said this is the house of God. Why? Because the gate of heaven opened here. So anywhere that the gate opens becomes the relevant house. That is going to be the discernment. Glory realms are going to be emphatic about opening open heavens, opening portals, arranging and structuring in a way that allows the presence to govern, to rule. Not just the pulpit. Hallelujah. Not just the building, but the glory. Hallelujah. And Solomon got it and said, we build you a house of glory. That is the object. It's the glory. Watch this. He says, he says, he says, and he was afraid and said, "This, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. And this is the portal, the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. Glory be to God. Now he understood the, the stones are not for comfort, they are for alignment. Alignment for the pillar of glory to now be able to rest. This is the shift that the visitations going on now are supposed to bring. This is what they are going to bring into your lives into your callings, into your ministries, into your churches, into your platforms, into your expressions. It's going to be a reforming, a restructuring from pillow to pillar so that the move of God can be free to go into the earth and fulfill that prophecy. As I live, said the Lord, the knowledge of my glory shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. God has promised, God spoke to me as we were fasting and praying some years back, I was fasting and praying with uh, Pastor Lawrence Oyo. We fasted and prayed three months. And then we met in Calabar, south south of Nigeria. And as we were praying, I saw, I saw that we were gone in the spirit. We held hands and we were praying. And I saw that we were on the North Pole. And I saw, I saw that as we prayed, we shaped another pole, like this pillar in the North Pole. 
But in the middle of the vision, I was prophesying. The audio and the transcript is still out there. put it online one time. You know, some years back. And I was prophesying. As we were praying, I see the North Pole. There's another to shape a North Pole. We are shaping another North Pole. And I, I realized how awkward <laughs> and how mysterious what I was saying was. And, and, I, and I, I, I just knew that. How will anybody understand what I'm saying? I'm seeing a second North Pole. And I was now looking in that vision, in the trance, in the vision, looking in the distance, and I said, North Pole is supposed to be up there in the north, somewhere around there. Where is there? Is there a second North Pole? Does the North Pole move? Do we have the legitimacy to shape another North Pole? Oh my God, this is why people say he's weird. This is why people say I'm weird. This is why people keep saying we are weird. What does this mean? How do you see North Pole in your visions? Not knowing that we are shaping another pillar that will be a polarity for the glory of God. Because I now began to see latitude and longitude lines. I began to see climate lines. I began to see waves and waves of, 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 of wavelengths like that. And they were crisscrossing. And the Spirit of God was showing, showing that where, this, where these lines are crossing are going to be the glory zones that I will shape in the earth. They are going to be glory zones that I will shape in the earth. There will be glory hotspots. There will be glory override areas. There will be glory territories that I will shape in the earth. And I saw the radiation coming. The same way, you know, the magnetic lines of flux that come from the North Pole into the South Pole. I saw them radiating. And they were crisscrossing like longitude and latitude. And those spots were forming. And I began to see that this radiation line, instead of being a, a, a magnetic flux lines from the North Pole, and gravity lines, instead of being longitude and latitude lines, they became spiritual glory wave maps for where the glory zones will be in the earth. And I saw that the North Pole, because of that prayer, we had erected another North Pole. So God was speaking very territorially. How do you navigate maps? How do you know the direction of your maps? It's by the northward compass position. So the shape of maps is fetched from the North Pole especially the magnetic North Pole, where the magnet on the compass is automatically directed from wherever you are in the earth, your compass, magnet, and arrow will be directed by the waves from the North Pole. So the North Pole is the principal power for mapping the earth. It's the principal force for mapping. And since it's a pole, it's a pillar. Do you get so the Spirit of God was saying, instead of a North Pole, we are erecting a new pillar that will remap the earth according to not lines of magnetic flux, but lines of glory waves. That was the interpretation. I didn't get the full interpretation, but you can see I'm getting further interpretation as time went on. And I shared that word. And I remember Pastor Lawrence, we prayed, prayed 90 days. You know, I'm not supposed to share that, but that year we prayed said we will seek God and pray many months. And when we did that, God was responding when we met. And I saw, I saw that I was sharing, he was looking at me, and then I said, the things you, he had told me earlier, that he go to places and minister, and when the power of God falls, and the program is over, people still go to the spot and experience the presence of God. They still sit there and experience, but some people even fall. And I said, yes, that's a glory lingering. Because the ministration, the meeting you held there was supposed to make that place a glory zone. So after now, begin to contend that the places where you go to host meetings and to pray and to preach 
that they become glorious. That's our next contending point in the realm of the spirit. And, and now, as he was looking, I said, look, anytime you release sound, you go places contend that the places you go to minister become glory zones. That's the plan of God. And I was still looking at the weird, this weird vision I just had. And three days later, on Christian Broadcasting Network, we had this link somewhere online with the transcription of prophecy. Three days later, Christian Broadcasting Network announced that the North Pole was moving. And the North Pole was moving at a more rapid pace than it had ever been in history. And according to history, one of the times the North Pole really moved in human history was around the time of the Welsh Revival by Evan Roberts. So the North Pole moving in that our time and period rapidly, people, you know, the, the scientists were even scared. Moving rapidly such that they felt North Pole will move to South Pole and South Pole will invert and go to North Pole and it will create, because the world now is based on electronics and electronic chips and fly by the cars and equipment and what have you, go by electronics that it will affect all the electronics in the earth and cause, cause a chaos, an apocalypse. That's what scientists were scared of because the North Pole was moving. So if the North Pole moved in time of Evan Roberts and now it's moving more rapidly than time, it means another generation of glory climate people who know how to raise pillars of presence are being bettered. That's what's happening. And people who carry glory presence. People tell me that it's after our programs that they start to have an encounter. When I go places, they say it's when you finish and have gone that revival breaks out. And people start having all manner of encounters and waves start going through the land that the territory starts shifting, not even when program. You see, the, the, our, our focus has been on the events. God's focus is on the lingering of his glory. So we'll finish and leave. And then when we leave the territory, the glory will now start. People will start having encounters in their houses, in their rooms. Church services will not be able to go normal. Because the climate and atmosphere, the land has been penetrated by the glory presence. So they have to run the services differently. That's what people tell me when we go places. Why? Why is God doing that? God is letting us know it's not the event. It's the presence that you are called to steward. We plan for the event. There's a three-day revival. There will, be, there will be salvation. There will be healing. There will be miracles. God will touch you these three days. In this one-week revival, that's what we focus on the event of the revival, rather than the presence lingering to bring change and revival into the territory. God is bringing this visitation in this, in this hour of Kairos to change the paradigm, to change the structuring by bringing the glory carriers, the glory realms into a new understanding of how they are going to build, erect, and shape for heavens to open upon the earth and the glory of God to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea in fulfillment of prophecy. So three days after this vision of joint prayers with this powerful, powerful servant of God, the news media began to carry. And guess what? They were saying the North Pole is moving and they now brought pictures of waves, line waves and line flocks of magnetic flocks waves coming from the North Pole and showing their shifting and they were crisscrossing. And lo and behold, my spooky and unusual vision that when I share, when you share, when we share this, people say you are crazy. You, you think you are crazy too. Was actually real. Such that the scientists took note of it and took it and put it online just as I have seen it three days earlier. 
And then I sent it out and I said, this was the vision. As spooky as it seemed, it was actually real. The scientists, the media is actually talking about It's a serious matter. But let me tell you, it's not natural causes that is shifting the North Pole this time. It is glory prophetic realmers, glory realmers who are praying, lingering in God's presence, who are now erecting a new North Pole. Why? Why is God erecting a new North Pole? He's bringing the pillar and the pole of Jacob to the North Pole to set the world's map is now going to be reorchestrated and realigned by the pillars of glory. The map of the world is going to shift. It's going to break. It's going to reshape. Where, where you say there's no gospel preaching that has gone on, you call it a Muslim nation, you call it a Hindu, you call it whatever nation that is not a Christian, you will see the glory of God visit those places. Because now the North Pole that gives the earth its natural flux of mapping that directs the compass, that you used to navigate maps, the North Pole has been reconfigured, reconfigured by the pillar and pole of the glory of God. And that's what was going on. That's a prophetic sign. That was God letting you know that let me tell you that vision about glory zones appearing in the earth i'm serious it's actually going to happen as crazy and as wild as it seems the vision of glory zones glory hotspots whole areas covered by the glory of god is my plan it's going to happen because as i live said the lord as i've prophesied promised and vowed the knowledge of my glory there will be a covering of hot spots in the earth and eventually in the age of the kingdom it will cover all of the earth Glory be to God. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. This is that time God is shaping the glory realm as to bring about a mapping of the earth according to the glory of God. Wow. People's compasses and, and, and radars are going to start picking the glory of God. The same way the scientists picked, did not go moving as the servants of God prayed. The ministers of the glory realmers prayed for three months straight. They began to pick on their radars. The North Pole moving. You know about John G. Lake during the bubonic plague where he would put germs on his hands and they would die. And then they brought his hand, they brought his hand under some machines when he prays in the spirit, the scales, the readers, the magnetic needles, on their equipment will be moving when John G. Lake is praying in the spirit. That's to let you know that there is a tangibility, a physicality to the glory of God. It's John G. Lake that defined the, the principle of the tangibility of the spirit. To let you know that God's glory is not going to remain in the invisible spiritual realm forever. It is actually going to be feelable by human beings. And guess what? It will be detectable by machines. Yeah, that's right. Your scanner in the hospital is going to pick up the glory of God. Instead of picking up disease, the scanners will pick up the glory of God. The radars will pick up glory clouds. Instead of picking up aircraft and, you know, spacecraft, they will pick up the satellites in space are going to photograph, they are going to picture angels and picture the glory of God. They will pick up wavelengths, not of climate, not of hurricane this and hurricane Katrina and hurricane Daniel in North Africa right now, hurricane this or that. No. Is to indicate that they will pick up the waves and the winds of the glory of God. That's part of God's plan. Equipment, technology will pick up, will become sensory to the glory of God. That's what John G. Lake helped us to understand and, and come into understanding of by teaching us about the tangibility of the spirit, of the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. 
That's why you can't miss your Kairos moment. You can't miss your prophet. You can't miss the visitation in this time. God has a plan. The glory of God in your life is going to turn things in a way that you never imagined. But it's going to restructure your calling, restructure your ministry, restructure your events, restructure your platform, restructure your church, restructure your, your hall, your auditorium to give comfort to the pillar and not make pillows of comfort for men. Out of you understand nice halls, comfortable halls. That's not what I'm saying is the problem, it's our mindset of building that the Spirit of God is addressing. Hallelujah! My God is going to change that what is, seems nice to people to what is, uh, is compatible for the presence of God to move. Haven't you heard of the area in North, North Carolina called Moravian Falls? Isn't that a glory zone? We already have examples. Moravian Falls where people have bought land, bought property. Uh, people like uh, um, the great uh, prophet um, Rejoiner. Where there is open heavens. How did Moravian Falls come, come about? There were the Zinzedorf Count, Zinzedorf and his community in Europe that had a revival. And they sold themselves out into slavery in order to go into places in the world with slave ships to go and preach the gospel. Can you imagine that kind of sacrifice? They offer themselves living sacrifice into slavery. You think God is going to forget that? Never going to forget. That's why there will be glory. And some of them moved over from Europe for various reasons, persecutions, the need to preach in America and all of that. And, you know, they moved to that part of America and had a 24-hour, seven, seven days a week, all year long, prayer vigil for the next 100 years. 100 years of 24-hour daily vigils in a zone. How would there be open heaven there? By godly, holy, anointed men, true servants of the Lord, praying 24-7. That's what Moravian Falls didn't just happen by a whim. It didn't just happen because oh, people felt goosebumps. No, people sacrificed and prayed and offered their lives to God and prayed all the time without season for 100 years before that prayer vigil you know ended and then suddenly people began to sense seismic glory activity in that place one woman flew an aircraft over we did that presentation in prophetic school it's still out there online the moravia falls the glory climates glory zones you know, places that have glory climate in the earth. A woman flew over and saw in modern times something there and God told her to buy land. She bought a shack there. And other people came and started buying. And when they move, they see angels. Angels come and knock on their door and say, how are you? And then when other people come, and say, oh, you saw those people who, who, who walk, they walk down the road to get here and they walk this way. Did you see that? There, there was, there's no such person dressed in 15-something, 18-something, 17-something clothing. Living in this area. But, but you say, I saw them. People say, we saw them. They dressed like in the Victorian era, like in the Puritan era. So there's somebody like that. There's nobody like that. Those were angels. Those were cloud of witness. And anytime people go to Moravian Falls, it's an encounter. A lot of prophetic voices got triggered into their prophetic dimension Many of them by visiting Moravian Falls. Wow. And uh, um, the prophet Rick Joyner bought property there. 
both side of mountains. People climb mountains. I hear even Reverend Linda told me they are planning to go there this 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 autumn, this period. But if they don't make it, they will make it next year. I pray to be in US so that I can follow them up that mountain and get my own angelic cloud of witness, <laughs> glory encounter. So we have we have examples. That's a glory zone in the earth, and that sacrifice that those people sold themselves to go around the world from Moravia Falls for evangelism, selling themselves into slavery, it has planted glory seeds with their lives, sacrifice around the world. So there will be, there will be glory hotspots, glory sacrifice made, living sacrifices, whoever, definitely those lands are going to have one more response to heaven because of the sacrifice of these men. So there are examples. And my vision was the glory zones will be there. Other people have prophesied it. But my encounter was picked up by machines that check the wavelength of maps and not, you know, North Pole movement, magnetic waves from the North Pole and South Pole. If we can pray that, we can build that. It's the pillar of God that we are erecting. The same way Jacob erected the pillar. And we are erecting by in that vision at the North Pole. And not knowing that as I was looking at that vision for the North Pole, that actually, literally, physically, the North Pole had actually been detected to have moved. Hallelujah. God is building his glory realms, giving encounters right now for glory pillar builders to begin to arise. Hallelujah. Wow, there's so much to say, so much to say, so much to say, but let's pray. Let's just lift your hands. Let's just pray. It's time for a visitation of the Lord. It's time for you to not miss your encounter moment that will recalibrate you. Lift your hand. Just pray where you are at. I will not miss my Kairos moment, Lord. The Tommy Tennis experience was a prophetic statement for a generation that will come. And that generation is already around. Lift your hands and pray. God is blessing somebody, blessing Obed-Edom, hosted the glory in his house, hosted the ark of glory, and his family changed, his life changed, his economy changed, his finance changed, everything changed as he hosted the glory. It's time for you glory carriers, glory stewards, glory master, know God has a plan for your economy. God has a plan for your family finance. God has a plan for your life. Do you know you can't steward the glory for long and remain poor? Remain, it's not possible. It's not even possible that you steward the glory. But Adam didn't have any plans. They just packed the ark in his house and left him with the consequences. Not knowing that even without having any premeditated, you know, arrangement, the glory blessed him, blessed his house, expanded him. You can't steward the glory and remain poor. Steward the glory and remain without harvest. Steward the glory without many lives being touched. Steward the glory and land not being changed. We are looking for harvest, but it's by the glory of the Lord. And say the harvest is plenty, the glory laborers are few. And now you are having your encounter. Lift your hands and say, Lord, I yield to you. I bend to become a pillar. I bend to become aligned. Like Evan Roberts, aligning heaven and earth like a pillar. So that the pillar of glory, the portal of heaven, can find expression in me and where I am. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Wow, we've already taken a lot of time. Just lift your hands. I just feel that sound coming. 
that prophetic, there's a, that prophetic things being really, I see stones, 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 colored stones, like the stones of the high priest being carved and engraved upon. I see writings coming on stones of fire. And the spirit of the Lord says, I am putting engravings on those who are seeking and stewarding my glory. I started marking them. I have started rising. I started putting marks, writings that will become my name. It will become my name as well as their name and become my message, my word, my revelation. There's a fresh prophetic spirit speaking from the stones of fire, speaking from the Urim and Tumim. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. Say These words engraved on stone will not fall. There will be prophetic words given that will not fall to the ground. They will not be shaken. They will not be altered. Being given to a people who have been stewarding, who are right now in my presence, in my visitation, stewarding my glory, who are being marked right now. Their words and their staying will be like will be like the Urim and the Tumim, the two immutable things by which it is impossible for God to lie. They will have words that are immutable, fixed, unmovable, unchangeable. There will be such authority in their damn discernment, in their prophetic discernment and utterance, that it will not be shaken. Wow, it's time for prophetic flow to not just come from gift, but from presence. The presence-based prophets are coming up. Those are the John-type prophetic ministries who prophesy from intimacy, from presence with Jesus Christ, who lay their head upon his shoulder to hear his heartbeat and to listen to his secrets that he will be whispering and telling them, even though he's not sharing generally and he's not telling publicly, but he will tell the Johns the secret things. To them, he will give the unsealing of scrolls. To them, he will cause to see the mysteries of the ten kings and, and the seven horns with the seven heads of the kingdoms of this world as they are being judged. It's time for those John types, intimacy, secret place prophets who will know the mysteries of the kingdoms of this world as heaven is unraveling and judging them in the earth. Who will be able to interpret what's going on? Because the beasts are now being stirred up in the world and the Johns are being called to stand upon the sand on the seashore and see the beasts that are rising out of the waters and be able to define what is going on. Even in the economic sphere, when the beasts want to give the number 666, the John type prophet will be there interpreting the moments, the times, the seasons, and bringing the covenant people of heaven, covenant people of God into alignment with heaven. Bring the Abrahamic covenant where God said your seed will be like the sand of the seashore where John was standing in Revelation 13. He will help, they will stand on the covenant of God and help position the people of God on the covenant of God so that the covenant of the beast and his mark will not be on them. Rather, they will have the mark of God engraved like us on the stones of fire upon their hearts. Father, thank you, Father. God is raising watchmen who will move with the cherubs who we, who, the cherubs who have walked to and fro, up and down, upon the stones of fire, upon the mountain of God, and upon the stones of fire. Watchmen, it's time for an upgrade. You are going to be called to move in the revelatory realms of walking up and down, to and fro, in the midst of the stones of fire. The cherubic wings are beating. The eyes covering their bodies are opening. The eyes opening, and so illumination is coming to the watchmen. You are being given wings. For they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And they will mount up with wings as eagles. 
And so the watchmen are being given wings with the cherubs so that they can have the eagle face. And then some will have the lion face. And some will have the ox face. And some will have the man face. But they will have eyes covering them all around. And they will know the motion of the spirit because they will see the wheels with eyes. The wheels within the wheels moving with eyes open. They will have understanding of the movement of the spirit of God. Of the chariot of the spirit. Of the chariot of the cherubs. The four chariots that came from between two mountains that went to the north country and to the south country. And another one followed in the not control another one patrol you will have eyes so that you can see far the movement of god as the chariot of heaven move around throughout all of the territories it's time for that upgrade says the spirit of god says the holy ghost thank you heavenly father it's time for the shift this is a kairos moment and these shifts are coming as the visitations are coming hallelujah let's just stop here let's end here god bless you See you again soon. Watch out. The spirit of heaven, the spirit of the Lord is doing something different, something new. He's raising you to be a pillar for the hosting of the glory of God. God bless you.